This is Your Path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. Forget what you think you know about church. Lord be with you. And also with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the, where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Uh, then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven, they are forgiven them. Uh, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The true gospel of the Lord. Praise to the Lord, the word, the light. Okay, be seated, please.
I say good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. So what did y'all think of that cover? <laughs> what was it after? What do you think it was after? Google. 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 And I have to give some props here because uh, William came up with that idea on there for that button on there that says, I'm feeling... What does it say? I would say, I'm, I'm faithful. I'm feeling faithful. What does that normally say on Google? I think y'all cheated. It says, I'm, it says I'm feeling lucky. It does. It says I'm feeling lucky. It's where you can put it in exactly and it, it's going to go exactly what you wrote in there. It's not going to do really a search for you. It's going to say, oh, that's what you want. You're feeling lucky. Let's go see. All right. You know, when I watch movies, I find myself asking, is that a good guy or a bad guy? You see, Hollywood generally portrays its characters as either good guys or bad guys. And you have to understand uh, which character is which if you're going to understand the storyline. The good guy always wears white hats, shoots straight, and always tells the truth. And bad guys, well, they always wear black, and they never shoot straight, and they lie through their teeth. And they never have a, a single redeeming feature. In Hollywood, most everyone is either a good guy or a bad guy. But that's not the way things are in real life. We still have the good and the bad, but most folks are a mixture of the two. Even the best of people have feet of clay. Even the worst of people have an occasional good quality. Even our Christian lives are lived in a struggle between these two sides of our nature. There's the one side that calls us to follow God, to, to have fellowship with Him, and to obey His uh, commandments. The Bible calls this side of our nature the spirit. But there's another side of us that, that seeks to rebel against God and, and His commandments. The Bible calls this side of us the flesh. We often, uh, we, we're often a battlefield where the flesh and the spirit fight for supremacy. And if you think that sounds like an overly dramatic statement, then listen to Paul in Romans 7. It's a passage that can be a little bit confusing, especially in the King James Version. So I've decided to read now from the New Century Version. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am not spiritual since sin rules me as if, as if I were its slave. I do not understand the things I do. I do not do what I want to do, and I do the things I hate. Yes, I know that nothing good lives in me. I mean, nothing good lives in the part of me that is earthly and sinful. I want to do the things that are good, but I do not do them. I do not do the good things I want to do, but I do the bad things I do not want to do. In my mind, I am happy with God's law. But I see another law working in my body, which makes war against the law that my mind accepts. That other law working in my body is the law of sin, and it makes me its prisoner. Has anybody ever heard that before? Have you all ever heard that from the Bible? It's a good one. It shows you that, you know what? They're a lot like we were. Excuse me for, for stopping there for a second, but really, they struggled just like we did. Now, that's, if you want to look that up again, that's from Romans chapter 7, verse 14 and 15, 18 and 19, and 22 and 23. If you want to check it out for yourself. Now, Paul very eloquently captures the essence of the Christian struggle. It's a struggle between right and wrong, between strength and weakness, between the flesh and the spirit. And the good that our spiritual nature wants to do very often is, is counterbalanced by the evil that our flesh insists on doing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the struggle goes on constantly. Our spiritual growth and maturity as Christians doesn't stop the struggle. It only increases the number of victories that we win. One of the problems that we face in this struggle, though, is that we sometimes think that we're the only ones who feel that way. 
we look around at other people, other Christians, and we may see no sign of such, such a battle going on in their lives. We feel so intensely that battle between flesh and spirit raging within us, but we don't see that struggle in anyone else. Everyone else seems to have it, have it all together spiritually. I remember hearing the story of two Christian men walking down the street, one of them about 40 years old and the other about 80. As they walked together, there was a young, beautiful woman that passed by. As their conversation resumed, the 40-year-old said, I'll be glad when I'm old enough that I won't have to struggle with thoughts of lust. And the 80-year-old responded, so will I. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Yeah. It's true that all Christians, no matter how mature, are pretty much like ducks swimming in the pond. On the surface, we may appear to be calm and passive, but underneath, we're all paddling like mad struggling with our faith and our feelings, torn between what we know is right and what we're tempted to do. I think it's important for us to admit that. I think sometimes people who aren't Christian get to know us and they, they say, I don't fit in with this group. They, they, get it all, they, have, they have it all together and I've got so many struggles. They would never understand. Or sometimes a new Christian has these feelings and feels guilty because nobody else seems to. So I think it's important for us to admit that to one degree or another, we all walk a tightrope of sorts between strength and weakness, between faith and doubt. Like ping pong balls, we bounce back and forth between the two, the two extremes, some days feeling very strong and adequate, other days wondering how God put up with the many ways that we disappoint Him. And so, we all struggle with the ups and downs that we experience in our spiritual lives. As we look to the scriptures, we find an apostle who experienced the same sort of struggle. I'm not talking about Peter, although he certainly was a man with his ups and downs. Rather, I'm referring to Thomas. Somewhere, hundreds of years ago, somebody began referring to Thomas as Doubting Thomas. Now, that title owes its origin to a passage we'll look at in a little bit. The fact that Thomas refused to believe the resurrection without verifiable proof. I don't think that the picture the Bible paints of Thomas is one of a doubter at all. In fact, the greatest single statement of faith in Jesus as deity comes from the lips of this man. As we look to the scriptures, we find that there's not an awful lot that we know about Thomas. We do know that he was one of the twelve apostles, apostles that he also went by the name of Didymus, which means the twin. Thomas didn't belong to Jesus, uh, belonged to Jesus' close circle of friends, and uh, he doesn't stand out as a leader of the apostles. But he does, however, stand out in three different episodes recorded by his fellow apostle John. I think these three incidents in Thomas' life will tell us something very interesting about this man, and perhaps something about ourselves as well. The first incident is from John chapter 11. The context here involves the resurrection of Lazarus, Jesus had just received word that his good friend Lazarus was very sick. When he heard that, Jesus was on the west side of the Jordan River and some distance from Bethany, which was where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived. Now, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there, uh, stayed where he was for more than two days, for two more days, rather. Then he told his apostles that Lazarus had died and they, that they would go, now go to Bethany. But Jesus had reached a point in his ministry where it had become dangerous for him to move from place to place. His enemies were out to kill him, and that was no secret. In John chapter 8 and then again in chapter 9, the Jews picked up stones and tried to kill Jesus. That opposition had centered around Jerusalem, and now Jesus was 
contemplating a trip that would take him within two miles of that city. It was a dangerous trip, and his apostles recognized that fact. But listen to the words of the man that we call the doubter. In John chapter 11, verse 16, Thomas said, Let us also go, that we may die with him. That trait that we see in Thomas here is loyalty. Here was a man who had no doubt, uh, waited his whole life for the Messiah. And Thomas was convinced that he had found him in Jesus. He was determined to cling to the Christ with every fiber of his being, even if it meant that his own, his own death. Because of a loyalty based on a strong faith, Thomas was able to say, come on guys, let's go die with him. Now, that's loyalty. And the second incident happens in John chapter 14. The context here is shortly before the crucifixion of Jesus. After Jesus predicted his, uh, the betrayal of Judas, the denial of Peter, and his own death on the cross, Jesus soothed his friends with some of the most beautiful words of Scripture. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would, not, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Again and again, Jesus had told his apostles where he was going. But they still didn't understand. They didn't understand how he was going to the Father. And they certainly didn't understand the way by which Jesus was going. Because that way was the cross. At that moment, the disciples were confused and bewildered. And again, it was Thomas who spoke up. Thomas was this, the kind of person who was far too honest and far too earnest to be concerned with any vague uh, and pious expressions. So Thomas expressed his doubts and his failure to understand. He said, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? I think to a large extent, Thomas's question was a sign of his loyalty. He didn't want Jesus to leave. He was willing to follow Jesus anywhere. He says, in essence, you tell me where you're going and I'll be right there with you. Thomas had a deep loyalty for Jesus, a loyalty based on faith. And that loyalty comes to the surface every time we meet Thomas. But his statement of loyalty was also a statement of an imperfect faith. He was confused. He didn't understand. He missed the spiritual beauty of Jesus' statement and in fact, in effect, asked the Lord for a a Rand McNally roadmap with the route marked in red. We see the faith of the doubter. Faith mingled with doubt. And we see ourselves mirrored in Thomas. The third incident is in John chapter 20. And we finally come now to our text this, from this afternoon. The most familiar passage about Thomas. Then the same day at evening, began, uh, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Now when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. But Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands, in his hands the print of the nails, and put my fingers into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, if we go back, if we go back, this chapter begins with Mary Magdalene discovering the empty tomb of Jesus. Peter and John also witnessed that empty tomb. Then after the apostles left, Jesus appeared to Mary. She told the apostles about this appearance. Then, 
later that day, as ten of the remaining eleven apostles uh, were together behind closed doors, suddenly Jesus appeared to them. He showed them his hands and his side, and the apostles were overjoy overjoyed to see that it was true. Jesus was alive. But there was one apostle missing. Thomas wasn't present. We don't know why. We can speculate all day as to why Thomas wasn't with his friends. We can assume that, that he wasn't there because he had no faith. He had totally given up and deserted the apostles. Well, we could also suggest that he wasn't there because his faith was greater than the rest. That they were, uh, that they were in hiding because of fear. Maybe Thomas wasn't afraid and therefore he didn't fit in with his former associates. All of, this, all of these ideas are simply speculation. The point of the matter is that he wasn't there. Of course, the other apostles were very quick to tell Thomas about their experience with the risen Lord. I imagine that when Thomas joined his friends that the conversation didn't go like this. Hey Thomas, did you happen to notice how much cantaloupes are going for at the market? Uh, and we're going to go fishing later, you want to come? Oh and by the way, we saw Jesus a little while ago, he looks pretty good for someone who uh, they crucified three days ago. How much did you say those cantaloupes were? No. No, they, they fell all over one another telling Thomas about the greatest event in all human history. The event that turned the world upside down. The Lord Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. He was alive. He was alive. Now we come to the doubting part of Tom, doubting Thomas. Thomas wasn't willing to accept their testimony about the resurrection. He told his friends that he wouldn't believe until he could see for himself. Until he could see and touch the scars. He wouldn't believe. So he remained in his disbelief for a solid week until Jesus appeared to him. But why wouldn't Thomas believe? In Thomas's defense, I think that we need to realize that Thomas wasn't asking for any further proof that had already been offered to the other ten disciples. In verse 20, when Jesus appeared to the ten, ten disciples, excuse me, the ten apostles, he offered them his hands and side as proof. So when Thomas said, I won't believe until I see it, the proof he was looking for was no different from what the other apostles had already had. But I think there's another consideration to be made in defense of Thomas. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus warned his disciples to be very careful when people made claims about his appearance. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So, it's entirely possible, maybe even likely, that when Thomas heard that Jesus had appeared, he thought about that warning. And his reluctance to believe the message of the resurrected Lord may have been tied to his insistence upon believing Jesus. Thomas could have been thinking, Jesus warned me about such reports. I didn't think, however, that my own buddies would be taken in so quickly. It is more, possible, more than possible that Thomas's statement of doubt it's also a statement of great faith. Whatever his motivation for disbelieving, it was his reaction when he confronted Jesus that is especially impressive. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your fingers here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. 
Thomas was driven to his knees before Jesus when he realized that it really was Jesus. He fell down before Christ and exclaimed, My Lord and my God. Nowhere in all of Scripture is there a greater statement of faith. And it comes from the lips of the man that we call Doubting Thomas. I heard about a man who was driving his sport utility vehicle when he came to a, a detour sign that said, Road Under Repair. Now this guy's got an SUV. He's not going to let a little construction stop him, so he throws it in a four-wheel drive, drives around the side, and gets through the construction site with no problem. His success continued for about 20 miles until he came to the absolute end of the road, beyond of which there was a huge gorge with no bridge. The guy had no choice but to turn around and retrace his route back to the detour sign. When he approached the sign, the sign, the back of the sign had the uh, uh, back of the construction sign. He read what someone had written on the back of the sign. Welcome back, stupid. <laughs> I'm sure glad that's not the way Jesus welcomed back Thomas. Jesus meets Thomas and his doubt with openness and love. I could even picture Jesus smiling, smiling to the to the point of being near laughter because of the look of surprise and joy on Thomas's face when he finally sees that Jesus is truly risen. Once again, the loyalty of Thomas shines through. He's now convinced that the good news of the gospel is true. Christ is risen. Thomas is once again ready to follow Jesus anywhere and put his life on the line. The legend has it that Thomas traveled to India to spread the good news about Jesus. There they had to kill him to keep him from telling the story of his dead friend who had come back to life. Thomas had once offered to follow Jesus even though it would mean his death. And if we can believe the legend, that's exactly what happened. It's not wrong to doubt. Doubt is a natural part of life. Frederick Buckner once wrote, where there's, no, where, where there's no room for doubt, there would be no room for faith. Sometimes our doubt even leads to faith. In every recorded episode of the life of the Apostle Thomas, there is a mixture of loyalty and doubt. His faith was always present, and it was always directed at the right focus, Jesus Christ. But at the same time, that faith was always incomplete, always imperfect. Thomas had a unique way of expressing confidence and doubt at the same time. But even in his doubt, even in his doubt, that underlying loyalty to Christ was still there. It was that loyalty that made him a great servant of God. It's what makes him such a great example for us. I don't suppose that I need to document the assertion that each of us has an imperfect faith. There are too many examples that come readily to mind that demonstrate that fact to us. The Lord says, I'll give you a way to, of escape. Yet we stumble and sin and then try our, to justify our weaknesses by saying, I just can't help it. The Lord says, take no thought about tomorrow. And not only do we spend a great deal of time giving thought, but that thought drifts into worry and anxiety just as he knew it would. The Lord says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Yet we spend so much time wondering how God could possibly love us. The Lord says, lo, I am with you always. And yet we fail to serve him and his church because we don't feel that we really have anything to offer. We betray all too, all too often the imperfection of our faith, and we know it. We know that we disappoint our Lord because we disappoint ourselves. It's so easy to look at the obvious proofs of our weak faith and become hopelessly discouraged. We have failed the Lord so often, too often. 
And here's where the example of Thomas comes in. And I think Thomas shows us the great difference between imperfect faith and faithlessness. Well, his confidence in the Lord wavered from time to time. His loyalty never did. Now, he didn't always know how to translate that loyalty into ways of thinking and acting. But that loyalty and love were always there. And even, though, even when he had doubts and even when he didn't fully understand. You see, the obedient faith that saves is not a perfect faith. It's not flawless faith without doubts and fears. Instead, it is a faith that accepts Christ as its center. And while the expression of that faith may stumble and stagger a bit, it never loses sight of the sinner. That's the faith of the doubter. That's the lesson of Thomas. I mentioned earlier about those, those who are not Christians who are a bit intimidated by what they seem to see in the church. I've known a lot of people who said, I'll become a Christian as soon as I get my life straightened out. You know, and I think what they mean by that is that they have struggles in their lives, and from what they can see, Christians don't seem to have them, so they want to wait until the struggles disappear. But they never will. And I think a lot of young Christians become discouraged because they, they thought that becoming a Christian would take away all the struggles, all the temptations, all the desires to do the things they wanted to do before they became Christians. But it doesn't. As I said earlier, maturing as a Christian doesn't take away the struggle. It merely means that we'll win the victories more often. I don't know what the situation with your faith is this afternoon. It may be that you're struggling with doubt, struggling with the things you don't understand. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing to be ashamed of. Our faith needs to go through those sorts of struggles before it can grow. Yeah. May we all pray with the Father in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That is the faith of one who struggles. But it's the only kind of faith we will ever know. Amen. It is time for everybody's favorite part of the service. That's right, the announcements. Gavin? You know, I have the power to excommunicate you. Oh. <laughs> Alright folks, here we go with the announcements. They're ready to get out of there too, I know, I understand. Alright, hey, you know we have two podcasts? We have two podcasts. We have two podcasts, folks, two of them. Two podcasts. First podcast you all know about, that's Your Path with Bishop Mark. It's been around for uh, six years now, almost six years. It's season five, it's almost six, season six. Doggies are getting a little restless back there, it's okay. Hey, almost done here, kids, at least for now. Right, your path, Bishop Mark. That's going to be our, our our gospel, our sermons. Sometimes sometimes you get the whole service on there. Um, any special events and things like that. Your your path, Bishop Mark, is going to be right there. And yeah, you might say, well, how do I go check out your path, Bishop Mark? Well, that's very simple. You go to your favorite your favorite search engine and type in your path with Bishop Mark. It's pretty simple, right? Or you can go to uh, Alexa if you happen to have that and say, Alexa, play your path, and they will play your path with Bishop Mark. 
or you can go to one of your favorite uh, providers of podcasts, which you can find on your phones, and go to your little your marketplaces on your phones. I'm trying not to be I'm trying to be gender specific here to, to all those different marketplaces. Okay, so go to your marketplace on your phone and and choose one of your favorite podcast providers out there, and I guarantee you'll find us out there. Just do a search for your path of fish and mark. Hey, you know, yeah. The other one is life lessons with fish and mark. That's one of our newer ones. I, I have to apologize again. I promise I'm going to get a new life lesson on there this week. I've been looking for a good one. I found one that I'm going to put on there. Anyway, uh, I've been very, very, very busy with, we had, you know, we had Holy Week and I had all the services and now I'm right now I'm, I'm just catching up playing, doing all the, the um, editing of the videos. That's a lot of work. I've, I've gotten up to Good Friday. I've got Good Friday and Easter left to do. So I'll have those done hopefully very soon. But we, I promise I'll have a life lesson. Life lesson. What is life lesson with Fisher Mark? It's exactly what it says. Life lessons with Fisher Mark. I call it our TikTok of podcasts because it's very short. Anybody with a short attention span, this one's for you. Okay, three to five minutes at the most. Okay, and it's a life lesson. Go check it out. It's, it's new. I want to know what you think about it. On both of those, we do offer um, a place on there where you can talk to us. You can respond in, in email or text or, or even uh, leave a voice message for us. We can respond to you here. right? I mean, you, your voice might even be on the air here with us in church. And you don't even have to be here. It's amazing technology, I'm telling you. Now, your path with Bishop, uh, your Life Lessons with Bishop Mark is a, a lot like your path. You just go to your favorite browser and type in Life Lessons with Bishop Mark to search for it. Or you can also go to one of our, your favorite podcast providers out there, like I mentioned before. And they're also on the back of your program here. And see uh, find Life Lessons with Bishop Mark. So please go check out our, our podcast. I know that was a lot there, but they're very important. I like I like. I'm working hard on these, and I want everybody to know that they're out there and they're, they're something that they can use. Okay, moving on. Compliments, concerns, suggestions, complaints. You got one of those? You're going to need one of these, folks. It's going to be an email address, feedback at dallasrealc.com. Very simple, very simple, very simple, but very important. I take every one of those very seriously, and I do read all of your emails. So please, if you have a compliment, concern, suggestion, or complaint, please email us at feedback at dallasrealc.com. You know, you can't make a difference. We are an all-volunteer church here. None of us take a salary, not even myself. Um, the only way we stay alive and stay open is through donation, through uh, tithing of our community here and through donations from people out there in, in uh, you know, YouTubeville and podcast, oh yeah, podcastville and YouTube land. Got to get that right. And that's, that's you people out there watching right now. Um, and we could use your help. We really could. Uh, it, it's a lot of money to keep your doors open. And you know, I, hate the, I hate the fact that, that money determines whether we keep our doors open or not because I think our message is worth getting out there and, and I really do. I, th I think that people need to know what the true meaning of Christianity is. Uh, I think it, it's gotten rather clouded lately and I think it's time for people to realize that you know, at, the, at the, the root of all Christianity is one word and that's love. Um, and if we can get that message out there, I think this world can change and I think we can be the ones to change it. And we could use your help. If you believe in anything that I just said, and if you believe in the message that we're trying to get out there, please consider making a donation to Dallas Universal Life Church. And it's very simple to do. You just go to our, our website, dallasulc.com, and there's a button there that says Donate. And it's a secure site. You can go donate with uh, your credit card there or with PayPal or whatever. Um, and we would appreciate your help. We really could use it. Um, dallasulc.com, click on Donate. I'm so horrible at asking for money. I really am, but it's so important. Um, i got to get better at it, I guess. Okay. Now, all the time I get, you know, Bishop, I love the church. I want to be a part of it. I want to help out, but I don't have any money. I'm dead broke. And you know, I look at him and say, you know what, I'm dead broke too. And guess what? I'm dead broke too. And what do I do? I volunteer my time because time is money and it's worth it. And we can always use your help here. Uh, simply go to DallasVLC.com. Click on the button for volunteer. There you'll find a list of the positions we have available for volunteers. If you don't find something you like there, hey, don't let that stop you from coming in. Come in and see me. I guarantee you we have something for you to do here. There's not enough hours of the day for us to get things done here. There's always something that's left undone, and we can always use more help. So please go to DallasVLC.com, click on volunteer, or just come in and see me. I'll put you to work. I promise. I promise. 
pray at dallasfuelc.com. Pray at dallasfuelc.com. That's if you have a request for prayer. You simply email us, pray at dallasfuelc.com. We pray every day here at Dallas Life Church. You may be anonymous. You can give us your name. Uh, just simply email us, pray at dallasfuelc.com. For those of y'all didn't see it, I said all of y'all that this morning. I'm not sure if y'all saw it or not. Um, that's just reminding you, hey, you know what? Today, today is actually this this Sunday is the um, marks the the day for the lowest uh, attendance in churches across the across the world. It's the day after the Sunday after Easter. So I appreciate you all being here. I, I really do. It, it means a lot to me, um, and, and it's good for you too, believe it or not. But the story gets better. And stories, I mean, it's, it really gets interesting. It's coming up. It's going to be some fun stuff. You're, you've got some surprises in store for you because you don't know the story coming up. You're, he, our newest Christian here, and he's, he's, he's learning. As we, and it's wonderful to watch his eyes as, as we're... Huh? <laughs> it's wonderful to watch his eyes as I'm talking about things that he does, I know he doesn't really necessarily know about. That he's been taught all his life, you know. And that's okay. But it's wonderful to watch how his eyes kind of get bigger. And he's like, the story, no, the story is like, is it really that happened? You know, it's, 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 the, the stories are amazing. It gets better. It gets more and more interesting. I mean, I don't know how you get much better than Jesus Christ rising from the dead, but it stays interesting here, right? I mean, it's going to get really fun here. You get fire coming down from the skies and people speaking in tongue and people understanding languages, uh, people speaking other languages. And they, there's no, how do you understand what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm speaking Arabic. You're, you're understanding English. I don't get it. You know, crazy stuff coming up. That's what that's to tell you. Look. Every Sunday here at 3 o'clock. Don't let, just because Easter's over doesn't mean church is over. We still keep going here. There's a lot to learn, and your soul depends on it. Okay? All right. I just wanted to show up my work. I kind of thought I was proud of that. So that's really all that was about. So here's your favorite part of the service, the dismissal. Right? All right, folks. We are going to do a roundtable today. We didn't do hardly any last week because it was just such a busy week and it was just so cramped, packed full of, packed full of stuff. So we'll take a little break here uh, after the dismissal and the dogs will go do their thing too, obviously. And then, and then we will uh, go to the round table. Bishop a day keeps the devil away. You're listening to Your Path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. What'd you like, what'd you not like, what do you want to keep, what do you get rid of? Short and sweet, I'm getting hungry. All right. Short and sweet, uh, let's see, I'll, go, I'll guess we'll start off. One thing that stood out to me was the conflict between flesh and spirit. Okay, let's talk about it. Because that's something that everyone can relate to, to some degree or another. Even more so, like, especially when it comes to relationships and the struggle to do what's right. Like, you have that perfect partner or whatever, you know, that that's, that's someone who loves you and cares about you. And yet, at the same time, you still struggle to do what is right because, let's say that partner's not around, right? And they're off doing whatever. 
instead, like, and you see this, like, oh my god, what the hell is that? You know, you know, and as Jeff someone said, you see that, see that, see that? And basically you're off. <laughs> you gotta pull yourself back a little bit. Because, and sometimes more often than not, we struggle with that so damn much. Or at least some of us do, like, and it can become, it becomes very difficult because on the inside you're struggling to you know what to do, what's right and what's not. But nonetheless, we have that temptation that faces us every day. And for the brave man who stays true, I think, I just think it's a wonderful thing because to be honest, it's, it's so important, you know? Yeah. Lust. Um, uh, infidelity. Yes, those were a couple of the sins we got out there. Important thing to remember is, is that's, you know, you're still talking about flesh. We're not actually talking about, you know, the flesh just as flesh. We talk about the flesh, we're talking about us as humans. We are sinners, right? That's what the flesh is. It's because our, our, uh, the non sin part is our spirit, right? The spirit and the flesh, right? The spirit is our soul, right? So you have to remember that it's not just about sex and, and relationships and, and infidelity and, and all that kind of thing. It's about everything, every sin out there. It's about all of them. I mean, we're faced with it every day, it's a conflict for our flesh and our spirit. You think of it that way. I know it's very easy to, to fall into that, you know, think of the flesh, you think of, oh, it's sexual. It is not. It is, but it, it is, but it's so much more. It's so much everything. Good example. I, I appreciate you sharing that. What about Thomas? What about go doubting Thomas? I, you know, he's got, he's, he's got that name. He's, you know, every Sunday, every, every year comes along, doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas. But I, I think that we have to look at that again. I think that's what we did today in, in the sermon. And I, I really think he got a bad rap. Mm-hmm. I do. I think he got a bad rap. Mm-hmm. I've done a sermon similar to this a couple times now. Um, and, and both ways, I, I, I just think that... Look, he was human too. Well, the apostles were human too. Mm-hmm. So obviously, they, they showed a lot of that when they ran and fled and did what they did. But I don't know. I, I mean, what would you do? Y'all your friends come and tell you, Hey! We just saw, oh, uh, let me think of a big one. The Queen of England. She just walked through here and said hello to us. Now, the Queen of England's dead, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say. God said the Queen. I'd say y'all, <laughs> say y'all are full of hot, right? Okay. Full of it. And, 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 the Queen of England did not come here and see you. I'll believe it when I see her crown on her head. <laughs> right? It's, it's the same kind of idea here. You know, it's pretty far-fetched mm-hmm. that Jesus Christ was going to raise from the dead. And that's why they were so confused about him saying, I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm, I'm going to the Father. I'm doing this. Doing they were like, what do you mean? That's what he's asking for that map. He was asking for that map with the red line on it. Where, where do you want me to go? I'll go there with you. Where, where do you, just tell me. Just tell me straight up. You know, that's how I, I can see myself doing that. Because I'm always like, don't mix the words. Just tell me straight up where you're going. I'll, I'll be like, I'll follow with you. He'd be like, shaking his head at me. Right? What do you got for us today, Will? Mac and cheese? Sweet. Mac and cheese. With chicken. With chicken? Yes, with chicken. <laughs> That's weird. Chicken nuggets, mac and cheese. I've never mm-hmm. heard of it. It's so good. Uh, I've never heard of it. But 
usually like that's a kid's food. Oh, okay, well that's probably why I remember. I didn't even have that when I was a kid. Back in the, the only way we had these kids' food when I was kids, it wasn't as, as good as it is now with all the menus and everything. We had, we had Happy Meals. That was about it. Yeah, it's just it's like a the side dish to the chicken mm-hmm. is mac and cheese for kids because they don't like anything else. Like okay, fair enough. Things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I, you know, I, I, I always ended up, instead of getting mac and cheese, I always upset about something like applesauce. Uh-huh. I love applesauce. Mm-hmm. I'm weird that way. So, mm-hmm. um, you're really going to make the short and sweet today, aren't you? Yep. You said short and sweet. Where were you for Holy Week? In Holy Hell. I well, no, that was here. <laughs> <laughs> we missed you. We missed you last week. And, and, and you're an important part of this church, and we miss you when you're not here. So we're worried about you. I was just to worry about me, to be honest. Well, you give us plenty to worry about, Gavin. <laughs> so, okay. Well, if y'all don't have anything else, I think that this is probably the shortest roundtable in history. <laughs> I don't even know why I should edit it, but we will. We'll put it online. Um, no other concerns, no other things going on. Nothing going on, nothing you want to talk about, nothing you want to bring up in the round table that, that God could help you with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think hell just froze over. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Pray our way out of here. Alright. Come here, Gavin. Lord. Thank you for this wonderful round table and a beyond wonderful sermon from our pastor, Martin B. Manning, and Bishop. And I pray that as this church continues, that we are able to spread your word and your message, not only in this church, but throughout the world, so that we may further glorify and honor your name in everything that we do. In Jesus Christ's name, okay. Amen. 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 All right. Help me break it down. Right. Gavin, you're going to help me break it down today. <laughs> All right. Uh, Please, help me break right. it down. Okay. Break I get in trouble when people don't help. Uh-huh. You know that, right? I know. Why do you take out a feather, Gavin? <laughs>